The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. Well, welcome again, everyone, to the Real Health Podcast here at Reardon Clinic. I'm Dr. Ron Hunting-Hockey, your host, and it's my great pleasure today to have on our show Dr. Stephanie Seneff, who has written a wonderful book, The Toxic Legacy, How the Weed Killer Glyphosate is Destroying Our Health and the Environment. Uh, I'm going to refer to her as Dr. Stephanie. So, Dr. Stephanie, thank you so much. For being on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And here's my book. I can hold it up. Yes. Legacy. So that's what it looks like. And uh, paperback coming out soon. So um, I just uh, finished, I read about three chapters just in the last couple of days. And I just want to mention how clear she writes. And, and it's just, uh, it's wonderful to kind of, you take us through some pretty tough science, but I think it comes across very clear. How did you get interested in the whole glyphosate story? It really goes back to autism. I was watching the autism rates going up year by year in the early 2000s, you know, 2007, 2008. Again, the autism rates went up. Yeah, we're just diagnosing it more. I didn't think so. I thought there's got to be something in the environment that's causing this rise in autism. And I was determined to figure out what it was. And I started going through, you know, all the different chemicals that we were aware of and, and examining them one by one and looking for correlations to start with. I mean, I'm, I'm a computer scientist, so I can crunch numbers. And um, I was kind of coming up short. I could, I was reading about autism and I knew there was a lot of problems. Gut problems were a critical issue for the autistic kids, many food sensitivities and inflammation in the gut and bloating, you know, all kinds of gut discomfort. So I thought it was something they were eating or something in the food. You know, I was thinking along those lines and I thought maybe antibiotics were messing up the gut microbes. But I uh, happened to be at a lecture. I happened to be at a conference with Professor Don Huber, who's he's over 80 years old. He's still active. He's an expert on glyphosate, probably maybe the world's expert on glyphosate. Um, and he was really sounding the alarm in a two-hour presentation that I had the pleasure to hear. I was on the edge of my seat. I mean, it made so much sense. Everything he was saying um, that glyphosate causes were things that I knew autistic kids suffered from. And I thought, this is a home run. And I just walked away from that lecture and dropped everything I was doing and just focused on glyphosate. And I'm still there. So it's been, that was in 2012. So that was a decade ago. Uh, it's a really fascinating chemical. I love biology. Uh, glyphosate is a train wreck for biology in so many ways. It's oh, so fascinating how absolutely. it works and um, terrifying. Well, you know, it's isn't it an antibiotic? It's it's, it's it is yeah. Yes. And so, uh, where what we're finding out now in our practice in functional medicine that the the gut microbiome is like sacred. I mean, it, it, when that gets messed up, then you get into all kinds of problems with autoimmune disease. You you get uh, detoxification problems. Um, 
cloudy thinking, and and then you get into just a whole spectrum of illnesses. My wife is a second grade teacher, and she says every day her little second graders complain about stomach aches, and then mm-hmm. they fall asleep, and then they uh, a lot of them are put on uh, something to wake them back up again. The oh uh, boy, and so so she has seen it deteriorate over her 26 years of teaching. And so, and those are just quote normal kids, but, uh, yes. but it's, it's, and it's not just children. Obviously we see a lot of people with, uh, allergies, uh, autoimmune problems. How, how does, how can you maybe talk to our audience a little bit about how this disruption of the gut biome translates into such a wide spectrum of illnesses? Right. It's interesting, isn't it? And, you know, they really didn't realize how important the gut was until it stopped working. And then now there's tons of papers coming out about the gut microbiome and how it's affecting our health, you know, even linking it to um, Parkinson's disease and rheumatoid arthritis, all these things go back to gut problems. And, uh, and as I said, that was what I noticed with the autistic kids, a lot of bloating, uh, sensitive, you know, a lot of them had celiac issues, you know, gluten intolerance, casein intolerance. They couldn't, they couldn't handle dairy. They were very, they had many food sensitivities. A lot of the autistic kids do. And, um, and I think it's because glyphosate is messing up the gut microbiome. I think that's central to glyphosate's toxicity. And, you know, they, they, they said it's such a wonderful chemical because it messes up an enzyme in the plants. It's crucial for the plants, but human cells don't have that enzyme. So yay, yay. You know, we're we're not sensitive to glyphosate because we don't have the enzyme. It's a good story. Hmm. The problem is our gut microbes not only have that enzyme, but they use it to make essential nutrients for us. And of course, they also make other essential nutrients. So the, the microbes are going to get sick if, they, if they're exposed to glyphosate because they don't have that enzyme. And they're not going to be able to supply those critical nutrients. And in particular, what comes out, it's called the shikimate pathway that glyphosate yeah. disrupts. And the product of the shikimate pathway is the three aromatic amino acids, uh, tryptophan, tyrosine, and phenylalanine. Those three amino acids, which are the building blocks, they're three of the 20 building blocks of proteins. Our cells can't make those. They can't make those aromatic amino acids because they don't have that pathway. So our gut microbes are supplying us with those essential nutrients. And they're not only part of the building blocks of proteins, but those are also precursors to an incredible number, a, a large number of really important biologically active molecules, hormones, you know, and neurotransmitters, yeah. the serotonin, melatonin. Melatonin is so important. And we have a lot yeah. of people who are taking melatonin. And melatonin is actually protective against COVID, they're finding out. You may have heard that. Yeah. And uh, and we can't make melatonin if we don't have the, the the precursor to melatonin, which is one of those aromatic amino acids. Also melanin, the skin tanning agent. Mm-hmm. So then people say, oh, I, I don't tan, I burn. I can't get out in the sun. You know, because I don't tan. Well, you don't have melanin because you've got a blockage there in the, in the precursor to melanin. And of course, serotonin, that's the happy hormone. I mean, that's the, the neurotransmitter that um, is associated with def- deficiencies are associated with uh, violent behavior, depression, obesity, you know, all these issues that we see today in our society. So many people are, are complaining now that they can't sleep. And I think right. it's tied into this as well. And, and of course, the stress level is very high. People are depressed. They're moody. Uh, they can't focus as well. So we're seeing uh, it's not all the way autism, but it's like autism on a general scale almost. I think so. I, you know, I think I think there's actually a thread from autism to schizophrenia to uh, to Alzheimer's. I think all of those are connected to the same issues in the brain. There's a lot of parallels there. Alzheimer's is the fastest growing chronic disease, and they're they're talking about in the next by 2050 
a tripling. And it's so scary because it's such a debilitating disease. Oh. And, and uh, there's an article that just came out on glyphosate. I was so excited to see this. July 28th, I think it was published. And um, this article uh, was really hit, hit directly on the issue of glyphosate causing Alzheimer's. Really interesting. It showed that glyphosate gets past the brain barrier. It causes inflammation in the brain. It causes uh, amyloid beta to show up, the yep. misfolded protein that's associated with Alzheimer's. Really uh, direct, um, very strong evidence. I was really happy to see that because I talk in my book about the perfect correlation. You know, both autism and Alzheimer's are going up dramatically over time, exactly in step with the rise in glyphosate usage on core crops. And I think it's not a, it's not just a correlation. You know, they say, oh, correlation doesn't mean causation. They dismiss it. I mean, it's amazing how they can just ignore the evidence that's staring them in the face. They just ignore it. So what I really wanted to talk to you about, and I know our audience is interested in your thoughts on this too, is what we as the uh, average person who's out there trying to fight for our health and our well-being, and we know that this is so pervasive in our food and in our environment, you know, you can't almost can't get away from it because it's in the water and everywhere. What's a person to do? What just kind of, let's just kind of talk a little bit about some ideas about the average person trying to be healthier dealing with the glyphosate issue. Right. Now, it's all over the food supply. And the CDC just recently finally tested they, they, a random sample of a number of people, thousands over, I forget how many, but like maybe a couple thousand people uh, looking at, at you know, glyphosate in the urine. And they found uh, detectable levels in 80% of the people they tested. So it's really, you know, it's pervasive in our food supply. The most important I tested. Thing, I tested a lady. I saw her today. And she's in the 75th percentile there from the go. Great Plains Laboratories, and she, and she's tired. But yeah, yes, I, yes, I, and that's you know and they've seen the correlation too with uh, fatty liver disease. That, that paper showed um, three different groups. I talked about it in my book. You know, the ones who were healthy, the ones who had an earlier stage of fatty liver, and then the advanced stage. Statistically significant differences in the level of glyphosate in the urine among those three groups. So that's really impressive. Um, so one thing you can do is test your urine and see what your situation is, you know, as far as whether you should be alarmed, uh, eating certified organic, I think is the number one thing. Yeah. And we're very, uh, compulsive about buying only certified organic in my household. And we have really noticed an improvement in our health once we started doing that, which was a long time ago, because as soon as I really, in that first year, I'm like, okay, we're pitching everything. We're just going to get rid of it. Start over, you know, buy new cereal, buy it organic. So, um, eating certified organic, number one, I think it's the most important. Um, you need to worry if you live uh, even, of course, if you live near agricultural fields, that's a problem. If they're spraying glyphosate next door, you, I mean, I think you almost have to move. I don't think there's another way around it. You have to move. Don't live next door to a farm where they're spraying glyphosate. We, I, think uh, that's really I just important. had a 12 year old girl with a sarcoma, a uh, huge sarcoma, and we did her glyphosate and she lives on the edge of town near a field. And I told you about this last test, which was in the 75th percentile, it was a 1.8 micrograms per gram. This girl with sarcoma was up to seven micrograms wow. per gram. And so she she developed a sarcoma. So yes, people need to, what we're saying need to be taken, this needs to be yes. taken seriously. So yeah. That's right, the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, you probably know about all the um, lawsuits because it's really right. started off with one non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He was, he was using glyphosate in schoolyards, this guy. Uh, Lee, 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 um, oh, <laughs> uh, Dwayne Lee Johnson, Dwayne yeah. Lee Johnson. Yeah. Yes. He, he got a big award and then two more uh, cases followed. They also got huge awards from jury trials. The awards got cut back by, you know, further negotiations, but they all succeeded in getting 
I believe they've they've um, all succeeded in getting money from Bayer. Bayer has bought Monsanto. Monsanto was the original. And um, and so now there's like tens of thousands of cases waiting in the wings and, and they're trying so hard to do some kind of class action lawsuit that includes a clause that says no more, you know, like nobody else can sue after this. And they're not letting them get by with that. So I don't think so. They're still fa- facing a real challenge with glyphosate. In fact, you know, they've decided Bayer has decided to stop selling Roundup to the U.S. population, the, um, the residential population. They're still going to use it on the food which is really, really unfortunate, but they're going to stop selling it to the residential population because that's where the lawsuits are coming from. The uh, The farmers can't really sue because they are exposed to so many chemicals. They mm. can always point the finger at the other chemical. So it's hard for the farmers to prove it. But the farmers do have an increased risk of uh, Parkinson's disease and, and Alzheimer's and, of course, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. All these things have been shown statistically that these farmers suffer from these things. It used to be the farmers were the healthy people. They, they would live into the it's 90s. It's so sad, isn't it? Because and... it is a healthy, it's a healthy job. You're out in the sunlight. You're getting exercise, you know, if you weren't poisoning yourself. And that's the whole issue. People don't realize how much the poisons matter. And they talk about the food and they talk about the processed food. It's true. It's very nutritionally, you know, it's, it's not nutritionally dense. The processed foods, that's the other thing is eat whole foods. Right. Number one, eat certified organic. Number two, eat whole foods. Really important. Eat a lot of veggies. And I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not vegan or anything. I like meat. I like, um, I think seafood is fantastic. And eggs, you know, organic eggs are one of the healthiest and cheapest things you can get as far as nutritional value goes. Because that egg yolk has so much nutrition. And, um, you know, and, and fish and, and oysters. Oysters are an incredible source of, of a lot of minerals, you know, and healthy fats. Um, so I, I really, um, I know seafood is expensive and some people don't live near the coast. Many people don't live near the coast. But if you do, that's a great option. There's a lot more to this conversation and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's podcast is brought to you by Biocenter Laboratories. The Biocenter Laboratory provides state-of-the-art lab testing and diagnostic services for healthcare providers, laboratories, hospitals, and the general public. Lab tests available through Biocenter include a comprehensive list of vitamins, minerals, fatty acids, amino acids, hormones, and pyrroles. They also provide a variety of standardized tests for disease markers. These markers include cardiovascular disease, diabetes, thyroid dysfunction, hormone imbalance, and more. Visit biocenterlab.org to learn more. We measure glutathione. We measure the methylation pathway. We try to help people uh, activate their detoxification pathways. Uh, that's one way. Can you? Are you aware of any yes. other things that people can do to kind of help get glyphosate out of their system once it's there? Right. And I do want to mention the glutathione and also N-acetylcysteine, which is a precursor yes. to glutathione. Yes. And glycine. Glycine is a, is a, is a nutrient that you can supplement. I, I, I like, um, you know, uh, bone broth. Bone broth is a good source of glycine, organic bone broth. Make sure it's not because you're going to have glyphosate. If there's glycine, there's going to be glyphosate if it's not organic. So worry about that. Yeah. Buying yeah. organic uh, supplements. Um, so glycine and um and cysteine are both important for glutathione. Those are two of the three amino acids that go into glutathione. And glutathione is an incredibly important antioxidant in the liver that glyphosate suppresses. I mean, I wrote about it in my book, but it messes up glutathione big time. So you really need to make sure that there's enough of that. And that also means eating sulfur-containing foods. Right. I really emphasize that, a high-sulfur diet. And again, that goes back to the seafood and, and the organic eggs. Those are really good sources of sulfur. Cruciferous vegetables. Um, I love garlic. 
garlic and onions, eat tons of those. They're really uh, nutritious and, and uh, spice up your food a and, bit. You know, and they're, they're known really to be good. good detoxifying foods. And, exactly, and we, yeah, all and of our cancer patients, thing. we say, hey, get on your on your greens and your cruciferous. Yeah. There you go. And that's really for the sulfur, I think. But they also have some interesting molecules in there that are that are helpful for metabolism. But I think the sulfur is super important. Sulfur is is crucial for being able to, and people don't realize this, but sulfate plays an important role in the uh, clearance of, um, of, of broken molecules. You know, you get oxidation damage and you have to clear those things that are oxidized because they're not useful to you anymore. You need to break them down and into basic, you know, uh, molecules that can be built back into healthy molecules. There's a constant process of breaking down things that got oxidized or things that got glycated. And the process that does that in the lysosome depends upon sulfate. And sulfate is going to be sulfur. So you really need to make sure to get enough sulfur in your diet. Uh, that's very important. And the other thing I say is sunlight exposure. Yes. I really believe in the sun. Yeah. Get out in the sun without sunscreen, without sunglasses. I mean, I'm a case in hand because I have never used sunglasses all my whole life. And I love the sun. I'm outside all the time with the sun shining in my eyes. And I'm 74 years old. I don't have any issues with my eyes. I, I don't even wear glasses. I mean, that's quite amazing. Isn't I'm in it? your same boat. I'm in your same <laughs> boat. I sa I, same thing. I have never, well, I wore glasses in high school, but then I got rid of them after medical school and I have worn them since. Yes. So. I mean, I don't have perfect vision and, and I did the same thing. I sort of started taking my glasses off when I was outside because I wanted that sun. And right. It felt so good. Yeah. And then I started just kind of leaving my glasses off. So I don't have perfect vision, but I can I can drive without my without my glasses. So I've basically forgotten that I have glasses, you know. I don't have to see the blackboard as a child in school. I'm okay, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, it's a shame that the the sunshine has gotten so demonized by I the know. dermatologists because we we absolutely it's a, it's a it's a nutrient so to speak uh, totally that everyone is. should have. It'll make you feel better. It'll reduce your risk for chronic illness. It boosts your vitamin D levels, which is really really important. And so yes. all that and plus just it's just feels good to be in the sun. It does. And, and I think it's, and I write about it in my book because it's more than vitamin D. I always, uh, you know, the dermatologist will say, stay out of the sun and take a vitamin D supplement. You yeah. know, that's what they'll tell you. Yeah. It's the wrong advice, in my opinion. I think you need to get the vitamin D from the sun and because you're not just getting vitamin D. People think of it as just a magic pill, but vitamin D is about more than vitamin D when it comes to sunlight and people don't realize that. And then of course there are things that can detox and a lot of people are uh, fond of a, a product called ion biome it's made by zach it was designed by zach bush he's a friend of mine uh-huh no i know he's zach. been very he's talked a lot about glyphosate and, uh, and he's done studies that actually has peer-reviewed published papers that show um, that glyphosate increases zonulin in the gut which causes a leaky, leaky gut, gut which causes a lot of issues and um, so he he says on, he, he has made this formulation and it's based on um, you know really healthy soil. They take out these um, these fulvic acid and humic acid, which are these complex organic molecules in the soil. And apparently, I read about it and wrote about it in my book. It was quite fascinating. What I found was that there are actually enzymes that um, that get bound to those fulvic acids that are made by the microbes. These enzymes, and the enzymes are very versatile. They can break down lots of toxic chemicals. Um, they have a, a very powerful ability to break things down. And so uh, one of the things they can break down is glyphosate. And so it, it could be that you're actually 
taking enzymes that can break down glyphosate when you take folic acid. And he also has some minerals in there and some um, spores, I think, of some um, microbes that can help re replenish your gut microbiome. Yeah. So I think that's a good product. And we that's have it on our, in our store. We have it in our store. Yeah. Excellent. And, and there are other things of that sort that you can buy. You can just buy the folic acid, for example, and mm -hmm. you can take minerals. And of course, minerals would also be sea salt. You know, yep. use sea salt instead of regular table salt so that yeah. you're getting all the minerals instead of just the sodium chloride. So those are some simple things you can do that are not hard and that are harmless. They're not going to cause, you know, side effects, right? The things that I'm suggesting are not going to cause side effects. So it's not like taking a drug. And um, another one is apple cider vinegar. I've been claiming, and I don't know if it's true, that you can break down. Again, the apple cider vinegar contains acetobacter. That's true. It contains a microbe called acetobacter. And there are members of that family that can break down glyphosate enzymatically. Glyphosate is a tough molecule to break down. And most, of, most of the microbes can't do it. And the ones that can get a, an advantage, you know, Pseudomonas aeruginosa is another one that can break down glyphosate. And I think that's why we have a huge problem with Pseudomonas in our um, hospitals. There's a lot of trouble with it being a runaway infection that, you know, you can't treat it with antibiotics. Uh, it has an advantage because it can break down the glyphosate and actually use it as a source of phosphorus. Um, and the same thing with um, cyanobacteria. You know, we have a lot of issues with the, the red tide and, and the, the blue-green algae, all this mess in the, in the waterways in Florida and also in the Great Lakes. I think glyphosate is a major contributor to that. And I think the reason is because the cyanobacteria, they actually break down the glyphosate, but then they release uh, nitrogen, you know, they, they deliver nitrogen to the algae and the algae overgrow and you get the red tide. So there's a, a real mess that goes on, but the but the blue-green algae thrive because they're performing a service of removing the glyphosate from the waterways. Yeah. Quite I, interesting. We talked to our patients about the, the small-chain fatty acids in the colon and mm. butyrate. And, That's a big and, one. And, and uh, there are some new products coming out. There's one called tributyrin where they attach it, the three butyrates, to a glycerin molecule, and it gets down to the colon a little bit better. So it's a really That's good way of repopulating and helping your body detoxify stuff in that area. So That's a very important point. In fact, I don't know if you read my gut chapter. You maybe haven't gotten to that chapter yet. You'll enjoy it because it talks about the butyrate. Have you read that chapter? I, I think it's... That's where oh, I think. Yeah. That's why I wanted to talk to you about yeah. it. Yeah. So that's really interesting. I, I, I spent a long time studying for that chapter. That was a hard one because the gut you know, papers are really tough. <laughs> but I finally worked it out. I was really quite proud of myself because it's quite interesting. And it was just been shown experimentally that glyphosate reduces the level of acetate in the gut. And that glyphosate increases the pH of the gut. Mm -hmm. And I think it does this because of its problems with um, proteins that I talk about in the book. It ends up um, the proteins don't get broken down um, in the mid-gut, and then the amino acids can't be absorbed. But basically, you have these long chains of proteins. You break them down into individual amino acids. They get absorbed in the mid-gut, and then they supply you with amino acids. That doesn't happen. So the whole peptide sticks around goes into the colon. And then the gut, the, the colon gut uh, microbes break it down all the way, not just to amino acids, but to nitrogen. And the nitrogen becomes ammonia, and the ammonia raises the pH of the gut. Yeah. And now it's too high, and those acid-loving microbes can't make acetate and butyrate. So the acetate goes down, the butyrate goes down, and your col col colonocytes love butyrate. That's their favorite fuel. They really thrive they on it. They need that, yeah. They don't have enough. And then they get sick, and then you've got all kinds of. Of course, we're seeing a rising incidence of colon cancer in young adults, and so part of this probably is the whole story that we're talking about today. So, 
Yeah, and these these you know uh, Crohn's disease and inflammatory bowel right. disease, those are going up directly, exactly in separate glyphosate use. It's perfect match. Yeah, you know the correlation. So uh, it's so clear to me. I don't understand why people don't just see it. You know, it, well, it, we've been told it's healthy. Don't worry about it. It's a great resource for killing the weeds. It makes your food cheap. You know. And, and the government just refuses to acknowledge that it's poisoning everybody. I think it's a major contributor to the problems we're having with COVID-19. I really have to say I, that. I, I agree. Glyphosate is messing up the lungs and making you unable, messing up the immune system. I have a chapter in my book on the immune system yeah. and causing you to not be able to clear the virus. So hopefully our listeners after today's presentation uh, will pick up a copy of your book and just thumb through it and find the stuff that relates to your own condition and start to learn about this so we can be a better consumer. And, and because uh, one of the ways we change is with how we, how we uh, use our pocketbooks. And if we can start buying more organic and buy the types of foods that are going to protect us, uh, we're going we're gonna to be challenging these huge corporations, uh, but, it, it, but it takes people like yourself and, and uh, like our listeners who are willing to go the extra mile to, to take better care of their health. Right. And the farmers will thank you for it too. They will. If they grow organic, they'll be healthier. So Dr. Stephanie, I, I wish we could just keep going. I think we could just talk a, a day, but, uh, th <laughs> but thank you so much for your work and for getting this word out and making people aware that this is an invisible threat that's affecting so many aspects of our lives. And we as individuals need to take better care of ourselves because uh, we can't wait for the government to do it for us. So. Absolutely. Good, uh, good point. Yes, it's unfortunate. The government needs to change. But in the meantime, we can do it ourselves. We, we have a voice that. and we, we can make better choices. So once again, thank you for your, your work and, and all that you're doing and, and for the clear exposition you've made in the toxic legacy. So thank you. hope all is well with you in the future. Thank you so much. Great to talk to you. Bye now. Bye now. Thank you for listening to The Real Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.